everybody. Welcome to episode 62 of Tunes, Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today, had an opportunity to catch up with Brian Lissick. You may remember, Brian was on the podcast almost two years ago, and he now has a live album. It's called Hotsy Totsy, Brian Lissick and Hard Legs. And it's interesting, you know, talking to an artist that has never done a live recording before and how much they really enjoyed the process. So there was a soundboard there at the actual theater and somehow it landed on his birthday. He's like, hey, let's call it a birthday bash, jokingly. And next thing you know, he's got a live recording and he didn't think anything would come out of it. But once he went back and listened to it, he said, you know, I actually, I like my vocals. I like the energy of it. And I think it's fascinating how there's a lot of bands that we grew up with that had live recordings and it kind of captures their essence at that moment. I know like Van Halen recorded one recently. It was called like Tokyo Dome and everyone's like, David Lee Ross vocals, what happened to him? And Dave's like, this is what I sound like now. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the thing about live music, right? Some, some artists don't even like it because they like the, the um, studio feel and they like the studio sound. Some, they don't want to sort of, let you see the man behind the curtain, you know, and it's like, you know, because in the studio they can, you know, they can, I mean, you, you know, you might call it, they doctor it or even they just, you know, you don't even have to make it sort of that negative. What they do is they set up, they can set up optimal environment for that person's voice and or that band's sound. So you can pick the studio and the design of the studio, you know, and then of course work in the board with the studio. So it's not really, I mean, I guess it, it, you might call it doctor. It's not like they're like changing their voice, but what they're doing is setting up the optimal conditions to make this person sound as good as they can. And of course they can do multiple takes and right, you know, and they do. And so when you're live, yeah, all that's gone. Right. You know, so it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword for folks because like you said, it, you can, you can get somebody's set essence, right? You can get a feel for who, you know, what they really are live. But then, yeah, any any blemishes are there. Yeah. And Brian, he joked, he says, yeah, well, we don't have a bass player as a three-piece. So they added some bass in. He's like, there's a note in the liner that we did that. But then he also said, I left some of those blemishes in there. You know, I forgot some of the lyrics they did a cover of under the boardwalk and he's like i forgot some of the lyrics or he left some of the the joking around with some of his bandmates on there and that's what you get when you go live and i really felt when listening to this i felt like i was kind of sitting in the front row mm -hmm. you know, at the show and there's many albums you think of you know live at budokan you think of the i want you to want me that's the version that gets played on the radio the Kiss version of Rock and Roll All Night, the live mm -hmm. version, that's the one that generally gets played on the radio. So there is something about live cuts that generally keep going over time because they're capturing something at that moment. I think you hit it on the head that, yeah, you know, they set up the right environment, but sometimes it's different when it's live. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, that's why people go see concerts, right? You know, uh, you, know you go see a band or a, or a performer because you want to, feel the music and live albums, live recordings are an attempt 
at least in part, or an attempt to, to catch that feel, right? You couldn't go to the concert, but you could try to get the feel for what it was like to be there. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't feel like it's the same listening on, on a recording, but you know, that's, that's part of the thing, right? You couldn't be there. So this is your chance to, to feel it. Yeah. And one last thing before we jump in and listen to the interview with, with Brian, I think it's interesting. There's a trend now. There's a lot of bands, for example, Kiss, I believe Paul Stanley recently lost his voice. So they've been playing like a backing track and he's kind of lip syncing along throughout the show. And I think it's interesting how bands now, like you said, you're going live, but sometimes is it live? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's another part of the performance, right? So, you know, in a case like Kiss, you know, there is much the, the show, right? The image of them on stage is as much part of the, the feel as anything. And people want to just feel the music and say they're there with Paul Stanley and so, uh, and Gene Simmons, et cetera. So the idea that, you know, in this case, maybe they, they find justification for that because they're just not Kiss if they're not, you know, Paul Stanley up front and his vocals. So we just, we make do. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've only gone to one Kiss concert and it was years ago, but the flames and the, the smoke and the pyrotechnics and all that, I mean, it's, you can never forget it. Right. I just remember walking away going, okay, <laughs> I understand why kiss is in the rock and roll thing right yeah yeah that i mean that's part of the experience you know and and that's why people go yeah exactly well we'll jump in listen to the interview with brian and then when we come back we'll wrap it up all right everyone welcome to another episode of tunes mate and i've got the honor of being joined by brian lissick brian how are you i am doing wonderful this morning how are you excellent back again yes i'm a podcast <laughs> we appreciate your support and I just got in my hands your latest album. Yes. At the CD, actually. It's yeah, we call it album, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's recorded live. It looks like you did this. Was it on your birthday? I actually, well, the whole, I mean, I don't know if we, you know, I guess it's a good time to get into it. The, the whole story behind it is that, you know, we booked a show with our uh, good friends at the uh, Rialto Theater in, uh, in Akron. It's a great club, former uh, movie theater. Which is that's a great stage, and um, we, you know, we were looking at dates to to do a show, and they threw out March twelfth, and my birthday is March fourteenth, and I totally jokingly said, "Hey, we're making a birthday party show," you know, and because I didn't want to get myself involved in any of that, and before I knew it, they're like, oh, "Brian Lissick's birthday show, come see it," you know, <laughs> so it's like, okay, I guess it's going to be a birthday show, and as we, as the day got closer, my guitar player, Rob Myers, says, you know, they have a studio there in in the club, uh, which they do. He said, we should ask Nate, the uh, one of the owners who, uh, the sound guy, to record it and see what happens. I'm like, yeah, it can't hurt, you know. So we recorded it. I figured, yeah, this is, you know, we might, we did, you know, 20, 30 songs. And it's like, there might be three or four that we can put out as singles or something. Lo and behold, you know, it wasn't all 30, unfortunately, <laughs> that, we, that we liked, but... You know, there were a good 10, 12 songs that were that were good. So I had been working again on another project with Don Dixon, you know, kind of hesitantly said, hey, Don, you know, it's like I got these live tracks, you know, is there, you know, can you, is it possible to mix a live album and make it, you know, presentable in this thing? He goes, oh, yeah, we can do a live album. 
And in typical Don Dixon fashion, I gave him the tracks and thought, well, you know, he'll look at it and maybe, maybe not. And like the next day he's like, Hey, Brian, I got some, uh, you know, some tracks in your box, you know? And it's like, okay. And, you know, Chris Allen from the band Roosevelt and his solo stuff, he's, he's uh, always fond of saying, you know, if in doubt, call Don, you know? So before I knew it, we had uh, this cool 10 or 11 song, 40 minute live experience. You know, and it's and it's very much. It, it was funny because Don said, you know, it's with the the way you guys sound and the and the crowd response and this and that. It's very similar, I think, to live at Leeds from the Who. And I'm like, oh wow, you, we sound like the Who. And he's like, well, that's not exactly what I said, but <laughs> you know, the, the recording reminds me of live at Leeds. So at that point, it's like I guess we're putting out a live album, and we were, you know, we've been be- between studio albums and you know we've been mm-hmm. writing and things like that so it's like hey you know this is kind of like to quote another classic live album you know this is the get your yayas out from the stones or something it's that in-between record that we hope everybody likes but you know it's a live snapshot of the band as it sounds right now and i love it because it's a good cross-section of you know at least the last 10 years of, of material that i've done in a live format with a great crowd you know, it all turned out much better than I had anticipated. It was very much on a lark. It's like, let's let's record this. And it's like, wow, that is the album that if I, you know, I've told everybody if there's one of my, I don't know, eight or six or eight albums or whatever I've recorded that I can confidently say, you want to know what the band's all about? You're not going to get the super acoustic-y stuff on this, but this is pretty much, this is the, uh, this is what, my music sounds like let's go listen to these what are there 12 songs on i can't even remember (laughs) you know but you know go listen to these songs and these recordings because i think it's very representative of at least what i hope we come off as you know straight forward ahead rock and roll i mean you kick this thing off and so is this your first live album that you've recorded this way yeah, I mean, the first one that ever saw the light of day. I mean, yeah, saw the light of day, right. It sounds like you had the perfect team, kind of everything come together, not only the date, but then your bandmates, and then going to Don and mixing them get together. And are the tracks, are they in the order that they were played, or did you kind of move them around to create some experience? Uh, there's a couple that we moved around simply because, um, for instance, I wanted to, we do... Um, a version, our version, I even forgot part of the lyrics, but it's fun, uh, of Under the Boardwalk from the Drifters, because it's my mom's favorite song. And there's a there was a part in the show where she brought up a birthday cake, because she's my mom. And I figured, if you're going to bring up a birthday cake and embarrass me on stage, I'm going to embarrass you back. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I had her request a song and sang to her and stuff. And so we do Under the Boardwalk, which was totally not on the set, and it came later in the, in the evening. But I couldn't not put that on the record so we worked it in there so in those sort of things um you know as far as order but otherwise it's pretty much like i told don it's like i, I don't know what i'm supposed to hope for i i have a lot of my favorite records are live records but i don't really know what i should expect or hope for here but just make it sound like if somebody missed the show that they listen to it and go damn i wish i'd have been there that's what i felt yeah. like when i was listening to it which was interesting because yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, no, I don't think live albums are necessarily supposed to be perfect. You know, they're supposed to be 
make people go, wow, I wish I was there. And when I have the opportunity next time, I want to be there for these guys, you know? So anyway, but go ahead with your, no, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, that's what I felt like. And what's interesting. You talked about the live albums and there's been a lot of research recently that have come out that said, we're actually, they're really not that live. They're kind of going back to the studio and, and re-singing this. But I felt that this was straight right out of that event. Yeah. Oh, it is. And it, I mean, it, the thing I kept, you know, anything that Don suggested of, um, well, I will say, you know, I, I guess I'll give up the ghost a little bit because it is on the credits and stuff. The one thing that we did is that we're currently out as a uh, my my bass player, you know, songwriting partner, producer partner, Steve Norgrove has been with me for the better part of I don't know, fifteen years or something. But he's backed out of the live live performing realm, and he's you know become a studio rat. Uh, and you know, obviously, the last record, Goodbye Stupid World. Steve recorded it. Don mixed it. As we were going through, in in the uh, in the wake of Steve stepping aside, we've we've had a bass player on stage with us a couple of times, but we found out that it's like we're far from the Black Keys material wise. But it but if we turn the amps up loud enough, it sounds pretty good. It's probably closer to a flat duo Jets. <laughs> you know, that, uh, we create this kind of interesting noise as a three piece. So it's so the official band is a three piece, but there were moments, obviously, on the record. I don't know; if it's obvious to me, but on the record where we brought Steve in after the fact, and actually Don on the song "Monk," Don's playing bass on it. So you know, I'm giving up the ghost here officially. You're the first to officially hear that. I guess it's like rock. I was going to ask you about that because like rock music or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's worth, yeah. On the album, you said "Monk." It's you know this brand new song. Yeah. So, is this the only? effort you have where monk has been recorded currently yeah there's three songs on it that um monk is you know that's the first version of it we actually have since gone into the studio and we have a i can't wait till people hear this version of it because it's it's pretty it's neat i mean it made me laugh yeah we're in, yeah we're, well, the whole story behind that is that uh that uh it's one we could probably never play on the radio without a big beep in it <laughs> but it's just so that people know you don't want to scare them but it was, uh, I, we, I had this riff and I liked it. And it's like, I don't know, I'll put some, and I was throwing some lyric. There's a song that I did several years ago called Chaos is a Friend of Mine. Uh, and I just started singing those lyrics to it just to fill up space. And then uh, Martin Flanoy, the drummer, he, he's the king of the one-liners. And he, uh, I don't know what we were even talking about. And he just said, you know, it's like some people need to make like a monk and shut the up, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it's like, that's gotta be in a song. And he like cracked up that it's like the next practice I had that is the chorus. He's like, man, you wrote a song about that. It's like, yeah, well, you know, be careful around a writer. <laughs> Everything's liable to end up on a record. So yeah, it's just a funny song. And I mean, it's, you know, I, hopefully it gets people, you know, doing the old fist in the air thing, <laughs> you know, cause, but it's a funny, I think it's a funny song. Yeah. It was catchy. I mean, I, I thought he came out. It was like you said, it was like the third track. Yeah. But it was interesting how you know you picked this order, mm -hmm. and interesting. You said you moved some things around, but you know if this is getting a snapshot of your live set, it's definitely high energy. And well, thank you. I mean, and, and it, well, it works both ways, I guess. Is that you know now the band I think has a really good template for like yeah, you know things might have slowed down at this part of the show or that part of the show let's kind of you know the, the shows that we've played since this recording has been completed 
you know, we've kind of also used it as our template too. It's like, you know, hmm. it's got to be as good as Don made us sound. <laughs> Every show from now on. <laughs> well, it was cool. I mean, I remember you to like, uh, you know, check out the original recording by Mac Davis. So I can tell that even in some of your sets, you're kind of riffing and having some fun with, with some of your, <laughs> your bandmates. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, I, it's, I don't know. There, I've gone through different periods of, of live performance ideas, you know, where, you know, it's like, I want to have, you know, when I first started out, I was big into, believe it or not, like Terrence Trent Darby and stuff like that. It's like, I gotta, you know, make sure that everybody, you know, the, this note ends right here. And so that I can spin around and do a split, you know, when I was 20, you know, and that, that was like an exercise in futility because I was playing with rock bands and I just, over the years, it's kind of like the stage has become a more comfortable place for me. So I just kind of go out there and I think it's by extension, it's become a more comfortable place for my audiences, <laughs> you know, because I, we try not to get too, um, you know, you got to know it, it's like anything else, you know, it's like if you're a baseball team out there who hasn't, that hasn't practiced, it's going to lead to mistakes. And, and then that's going to lead to nervousness and the whole thing's going to kind of come off the rails. But if you kind of know what you're doing when you go out there and, and you play loose, as they say, then uh, things happen, you know, things, good things happen. I hope, and everybody has a good time. I mean, cause that's, this is your lesson, kids. The secret to being a good band is just play all the time because things are just going to naturally, you know, and I followed that advice and not <laughs> at various times over the years. You know, I've brought a lot of unpracticed things onto a stage before, but, um, but this one, uh, you know, everything was hitting on all cylinders. <laughs> I could tell. I mean, it, like you said, it captured the moment. I think a lot of live albums, like Don was comparing it to the who, but I think that's always the idea is that you want to capture that moment. And, overboard that groove yeah and that's the way that was put together that's that's that seemed like a, a kind of a high point of i mean i know it's right in the middle of the track yes. but it kind of it felt different like it felt like it was moving into something a different kind of feel i actually felt like i that one probably got on there mainly because i felt like i sang it really well i think i sang it better on the live one than i did on the studio and quite frankly because that's often good by stupid world too and it was, you know, it's funny. I, th I think that that part of my uh, between song banter got clipped. But, you know, I, I, you know, I heard it was weird because the way that I, you know, when I'm playing it in rehearsals and stuff, there's a certain sound and you get on stage and everything gets bigger. And I had a, I had a, um, a um, phaser pedal on it and it sounded much heavier at this you know, live. And I'm just like, I guess this is the Pat Travers version of this song because it was very, you know, but I thought I, like I said, I thought I sang it pretty well. So it's like, yeah, that, you're right. You know, the groove just, it was neat. I mean, we, it is different than, than my past stuff because it's a different group of guys that, you know, just different. I mean, that's the only reason to change band members or, or to, other than somebody quits, but it's much easier to let people be themselves than to go, Hey, I have a vision both ways can work, but you know, I have a vision for my music and, you know, I'm going to keep running these, this, these rehearsals until we get it. You know, it's like the, but I don't, I'm not, I'm much less the Prince approach than I am the replacements approach. Like just get up there and make some noise. And if it sounds good, we'll know it. And if it doesn't, we'll fix it. But pretty much I'm going to rely on your instincts. You know, that's what I, how I pretty much treat bands you know martin said the other day it's like man you tell us what to do but you make it fun it's like okay that mission accomplished because <laughs> you know rock and roll ain't brain surgery and nobody's gonna die if it's if it's good or bad 
It's just, it should be fun. <laughs> not yeah, not well, stupid. And I remember you, you talked about the replacements last time. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. definitely an influence. And sure. I could tell that your live persona reflected some of that. So it sounds like you're having fun. You're making sure that you're loosey goosey up there. And then obviously you got to be able to play. Oh, well, yeah. I, I hope that comes across, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I've been invoking the name of Paul Westerberg and the replacements and Bob Stinson and everybody else for, for years, because I know when I put a band together and, and play in a basement or something or, or anybody who's seen us live, they go, Oh yeah, I can see that. But you know, then I make these studio records that don't always reflect that in, you know, entirely, maybe a little bit, but you know, I mean, I, so it was neat to have a an album, a recording, publicly released. <laughs> you know that people. Oh, now we know what he means. <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. And what's interesting is you know, I, I'm looking at, as you said, the production, and it really sounds. I mean, just going back to what you said earlier, that everything came together, and you were able to record directly there. So that was probably one of the biggest impacts that you were able to just book this show knowing that there's a chance that this recording could turn out this well. Well, for better or worse. Yeah. We knew the mics were, <laughs> you know, when we were doing, it, I mean, maybe, you know, we, we've done some shows since where Rob's gone like, man, I wish we had recorded that one instead. Because, you know, but I, but it was, you know, I've heard that, you know, for instance, um, you know, it, it kind of disappointed me years ago when I would read that Robert Plant thought, um, what's the big Zeppelin uh, song remains the same, you know, he, said yeah you know we recorded every show on the tour and that was that was an okay performance that ended up on the record you know that that he actually thought that there was much better mm -hmm. shows on that tour that they, they you know the label or whoever makes those decisions could have put on the record so i you know so if i look at this thing you know 10 years from now and i may look at it and go yeah you know we we play that one better now look at how positive thinking I am 10 years ago or 10 years from now, I'm still going to be playing so the power of positive thinking. If I look at this thing 10 years from now and go, well, I play that one better now. It doesn't matter because this, you know, they call it a record for a reason. It's a, you know, it's a recording, but it's also a record of where you were at that time. And I'm, I'm very proud of this record. I, I gotta say, and I don't, and I don't say that much <laughs> about my recordings when they're done. I mean, I, 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 I like that I do my recordings, but there's always something where you're like, yeah, yeah, I think you remarked on it earlier, your vocals. I mean, you brought up Led Zeppelin, and I, we talked about Van Halen last time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of Van Halen's last albums was, I think, live at Tokyo Dome. Mm -hmm. And many people criticized that, well, why does Dave sound that way? And Dave was like, well, this is how I sound now. Yeah, I mean, so, there were some things, that, like I said, you know, bringing a bass in and not being overt about it just in order to make the bottom end of the sound spectrum sound right to me wasn't like blasphemous but you know we did nothing i mean that's you know that's the way martin plays drums and the way his drum kit sounds and and you know that's the way that rob's guitar sounds and that's and you know rob's got like the i i feel like of all the guitar players i've ever worked with that he's got like the best tone i I've, I've ever heard and you know and that's what you know, and that's what I sound like singing, you know, so that, I mean, that's what I like the best about it is that it's, it's as uh, warts and all, no, no trickery record that I've ever made, not just because it's live, because, you know, Don and I both were kind of insistent 
in keeping it as authentic, you know, song orders and enhancing the bottom end of, of the whole tonal spectrum. Those are just kind of like things, you know, those aren't like changing the performance or going in there and re-recording a vocal or re-recording a guitar part. So I, I like that it's, yeah, we kept it very real. <laughs> well, it, it definitely is reflected that way, Brian. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I It's funny is, I like you said, I actually have a few of my favorite live albums, but then after I've realized after many years, like these actually aren't live. Yeah, that's exactly what Don kept telling me. Every time we suggested doing anything to like, you know, hey, you know, you babbled on about 30 seconds there and you really didn't say anything. So maybe we might want to cut some of that out. And I was all Mr. Authenticity and, and, you know, Don kept saying, it's like, you know, as live albums go, man, this one is like really live because you'd be surprised how much doesn't become live when they're, you know, monkeyed with after the fact they're barely live more, you know, in most cases, a lot of cases, you know, so it's, uh, that's the other thing is that, you know, I'm proud of it because it sounds good. And I'm also proud of it because it's like, it wasn't monkeyed with much. You know, and really at all. I mean, other than the bass thing, that's probably the most mm -hmm. um, obvious thing. And that was more like, I even told Steve, it's like, you know, I, if you're tempted to go Jaco Pastorius, please don't. You know, I mean, keep it. <laughs> you know, not, and he's, you know, I mean, I've known Steve for so long. He knew it, was, it wasn't his place to draw no weather report into himself. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it's a, you know, it's like, we're not, you know, don't turn this in. I would love it if you turned it into a meters record, but. No, you know, because we don't need any slapping bass. Now, is this going to create a trend now? Because I know a lot of bands, they generally have one, you know, pinnacle live recording, but then you've got the example like Pearl Jam or the Grateful Dead that that's all they do is there's all these live recordings <laughs> that just keep circling around and around. Is this going to start a trend now, Brian? You know, you know, honestly, we, there's, there's tracks from our, when we did the, um, when we did the, CD release, album release, whatever for Goodbye Stupid World. It was right in the heart of the pandemic, and we did a, uh, a live stream. And it's a very good. I mean, that's essentially the same band. It's the same band, but but Steve was still in it, playing actively. And um, you know, and the only reason I didn't do anything, I mean, it, a lot of that came out really well, almost to the point where you know, it's you can find it on YouTube, and the, the stream, you know, archived or whatever. And it's like, I don't really know what to do with it if it's already out there, you know, in the raw form, but I mean, it's a very good performance as well. And I've been tempted to put that out. So who knows, maybe I'll like make a little EP out of it and, and put that out too, because to answer your question directly, if I could get away with doing nothing but getting good live recordings from here on out, <laughs> it's, I mean, the process was great because I, I don't know, I, I kind of like the process better than a studio album because you're not as tempted to keep adding a bunch of to it. You know, I mean, I get in the studio and I get this great little four piece rock band song, song and I'm like, well, you know, hey, you know, how about a kielbasa or a kielbasa or something? Yeah, I mean, how about if we put a, you know, a, a car fender sound on, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna be bang on a bumper. I, I, I tend to like want to Tom Waits everything that I do in the studio if given enough. Yeah, you sit around the studio and you stare at a, computer screen and a, a soundboard long enough you start going you know i think it maybe needs bells <laughs> you know so i like the idea of it's a live album you know we recorded it it's done all we have to do is make sure that you can hear all the parts i like 
doing records like I mean, if, even if it's a studio I'm, yeah that's i i want to start doing things more like that i mean been making records for so many years it's about time people heard what i really sound like right now i mean i'm pretty authentic in the studio anyway i i don't like to make the song deviate too much from what it is but yet you know the studio like i just said is sort of a sandbox playground anyway so it's it's balancing that you know beatles versus the sex pistols what do you want to how do you want to do this record <laughs> um and i you know and i appreciate both but i it's just like again to answer your question directly i i, I hope that i've learned how to leave things alone with this record because when you do when you know we left them alone and it sounds pretty good you know i've, I've been pleasantly surprised at the response from people that are going wow this is you know with, when you started talking about it we thought it was going to be this pile of noise and junk you know and it's a really good record so i'm glad people see it that way yeah i mean i like i mean the moment you pop it in you kind of get that white noise kind yeah. of sound happening and you're wondering am i in the front row like what's happened so it just kind of builds from there it's it's definitely fun yeah and that's and that's really yeah I, it, it's funny that you know i think most writers or people think you know i can always make a fun record you know it's like i got to do my serious record and, and the irony to me has always been it's like the serious record is the easy one to make i mean you can get you know you can look at yahoo news in the morning and get pissed off about most anything and write a song about it. it's easy to be angry and indignant and got to go change the world it's it's more difficult to you know look at it you know, watch a Chuck Berry performance from the early 70s and how he's running the band. And, and it's just like you're being taken on a journey. And it's like that. And it's and it's humorous and it's dark when it needs to be, but it's funny where it needs to. And it's like that is that's like writing a play. That's different. That's difficult to hit all those emotions. It's easy to just make a song about I hate everybody. And I I do those a lot, you know, but <laughs> It's, it's, it's more difficult to have a good time in this world. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it's hard. How about that for a David Lee Roth quote? It's more, there you go. It's more difficult to have a good time than it is to be. <laughs> it's, well, it's true. I mean, you've heard artists many times say it's hard to write Humor's a hard. happy song. Yeah. Happy songs are hard. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know who's the better writer, uh, Lou Reed or Weird Al Yankovic? I don't know. It's a different. I think they're both brilliant. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they've got. They definitely have both sides to them. Yeah, and it's and having tried both, it's like you try and write like a sturgeon, and it's much easier to write "Walk on the Wild Side." I think. <laughs> That's fun. I love this Weird Al, Lou Reed. Why not? I, you know, whatever. You know, I mean, I used to pay attention also to. Um, it's like. I, I got to, uh, you know, bring up and extol the virtues of all the right pop culture references and stuff. And I don't even care anymore. It's like, whatever. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, my, you do your thing. my son loved Weird Al and I, and we went to a show in Akron years ago and it was like the most brilliant piece of uh, stagecraft I, I had ever seen. It's like, you know, running around with an accordion and a band is tighter in two coats of paint and it's like wow this isn't what, what am i watching here i thought weird al was supposed to be some silly kid stuff it's great so there you go you know weird al. i love it yeah it's i'm a huge weird al yeah, fan yeah. myself so it was it's but it is interesting how you've talked about this live recording experience and for all the listeners out there definitely check out your latest editions yes. 
Atsi Tatsi and it's Brian Lissick and Hard Legs. Yes, Martin gets a lot of. I, I I should. There wasn't enough room on the on the album covers to. But pretty much anything that's cool about this, you know, Martin came up with because uh, I don't know. There's a there is a reason why we're why it's Hard Legs, but it's it's just again. And there's a and there's a story behind Hotsy Totsy too. But I don't know whether I should. I, I could probably put a mystery. <laughs> so it's whatever you want it to be, <laughs> you know. But look up the terms, and you know, somebody will look it up and go, "Oh, I get it." <laughs> So, unless you're asking me directly what the hell it all means. That's awesome. Sometimes it's good to keep things yeah, mystery, yeah. you know, keep, keep people guessing. Yeah, when the box, yeah, when the box set, set a live show. Yeah, when the box set comes out or we get sued, what it, there you I'll, go. I'll tell everybody what it all means. Box set of live recordings, here it comes. Yes. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, people are okay with what they know they're getting. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of live recordings of myself and various bands and stuff. And, and that's the thing. It's like this... You know, I put the band name on this one. You know, the the Unfortunates was a group of people that they're a group of guys, you know, musicians, my bandmates, whatever, that um, made you know a couple of records in a row with the same lineup. And it's like, yeah, this is a band. We kind of write these things like a band. And, yeah. and, and then you know, Goodbye Stupid World was myself and Steve primarily, and you know, um, and we all we actually thought about putting the record out as like the Fortunates or something stupid, you know. Like it's it's sort of or the half fortunates or the semi fortunates, you know, because it wasn't the whole band. But you know that was much more of a solo affair. So you know, and this one, you know, is a band record. Like I said, that that same band is currently in the studio. You know, Martin and I were in the studio yesterday putting down percussion stuff on some songs, and that's one that's going to come out in um, probably summer next year. You know, another studio album, and you know we just keep doing the stuff cool. because. We don't know what else to do. You know? Well, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I, I, well, you know, this is great. You know, uh, Alex Chilton once said, you know, you can make a record and, and press up 100 copies and 100 people who are supposed to hear it will. And I kind of like that thought, you know, because it's a big, scary world out there for, you know, is anybody going to hear my recordings when I put it? There's so many avenues and so many, you know, outlets to put your music out, but then you know, that's kind of like walking into the Library of Congress and saying, I'm looking for a book, you know, or I'm looking for a document, you know. That, <laughs> Nowadays, yeah, yes. Yeah, because it's just so vast and you don't know if you're, you know, doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. And at various times, I feel like we're doing a pretty good job. And other times I feel like, man, a, a, you know, a voice in the wilderness isn't even coming close. It's like nobody knows us, mm -hmm. you know, so, and I don't, you know, but at the end of the day, I like the idea that, you know, just keep pumping stuff out. Keep, you know, your job is to be a songwriter if you're a songwriter. So just do your job and, it'll, it'll, you know, it should reach who it needs to reach, I think. You know, and I keep working my butt off to get it to as many people as possible, whether it looks like it or not. <laughs> um, and But but at the end of the day, I, I have to have faith that the people who are supposed to hear this stuff are hearing it. And, and you know, case in point, you know, you... I love your reaction to the record because it's like, that's, I mean, it's a live record. What was I, I just want people to hear it and go, damn, I wish I'd have been there. You know? And, and yeah. I mean, definitely throughout, you know, it's not as many people are, are getting out these days, but having something recorded this way could drive people there. What, if, I did, and, if we have some kind of impact with our little, yeah. humble little record to help people remember and, and seek out live music, whether it's us or somebody else that, you know, if we, play even a minuscule part in that 
you know, changing of a thought process after what we've all been through in the last few years, then, you know, this thing's even more, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an even better record than I thought it was if it does that. You know, I just hope people put it on and, you know, piss off the neighbors while they're washing their car or something. In the sun. That's what I, that's what, that's what live records are good for, you know, turn them up real loud, you know. I definitely like, recommend that. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it, Brian. Well, you know, go to your website, brianlizick.com. And are you going to be out playing any more? Well, we are, uh, uh, we are going to be on uh, local Cleveland television on January 27th. We're going to be on Fox 8 News in the morning. If anybody wakes up early to watch, you know, loud rock and roll stuff. Um, and then we're uh, doing a show with uh, Yankee Bravo. I can say former drummer because you know he's he's just my buddy you know um, Benjamin Payne and his band are playing at the nice. Rialto where we you know return to the scene of the crime we're going to be back where we recorded the, the live album uh, and that's on the 28th so we got some stuff you know later on in January we're gonna we're, we're wow. kind of you know nestling in the studio and working on this like I said this new studio one that's going to come out in the summer so mm -hmm. um, you know other than that we're a bunch of seasoned rockers with uh, original songs for sale so if anybody is buying <laughs> definitely check it out i enjoyed it i like you said oh people get to crank it up a notch and yeah, that's what, i mean honestly that's my biggest you know it's like what was your goal with this record it's like if i could like drive through a neighborhood yeah. somewhere anywhere and you know go hey man that's the record that guy's out you know you need to do that yeah, for for promo video just to, his, you know. yeah, it's like the guy's out working in his garden i want to go like give him a dollar yeah. or something for playing my album. it's great because he's like because that's to me is the essence of a, of a live album you know i'm dating myself probably but you know back in the day where you would like drive down the road and hear you know the almond brothers at the Fillmore blasting out of some guy's bedroom window and probably some funny smells and all kinds of things coming out of the window but it was like wow you know that's, that's experiencing cool, it that's guy's some freak over there <laughs> listening to that music oh and, and here comes my german shepherds uh, attacking something on cue <laughs> in the uh, in the yard yes <laughs> so there you go probably some guy listening to exactly me. that's what i thought <laughs> well brian once again thanks for being on the podcast it was cool to catch up with you definitely check out the latest album and good luck to you hey man thank you very much for for having me thanks all right right well that was interesting listening to brian and you know, talking about how he now has recorded this album and maybe he'll do more and i think it's fascinating how bands like Pearl Jam and the Grateful Dead, they have released so much music. I know the Grateful Dead, it was, you know, past the tapes around and, and all the, I guess, bootleg recordings. But then Pearl Jam actually has released, I don't want to, it could be hundreds. I know it's a lot of live recordings that you can officially purchase. And I think Bruce Springsteen has done the same. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of like, okay, we recognize there's a market there, right? There, there are all these um, like you said, bootlegs out there. There's all these uh, sort of um, passed around tapes and recordings of various things. I guess it's not even tapes anymore, right? People do it on their phone or whatever. And, and you know, these recordings that get around. So it's like, all right, well, we may as well uh, make that just part of what we do. Um, in the case of, of somebody like Pearl Jam, it's interesting because there's a whole um, on the one hand, it is. I mean, it's okay. Another way for them to make money and continue to to fuel, you know, their lives and their their music and their craft and whatever. But the, also, it's sort of a uh, an ideological thing too. You know, Pearl Jam's always sort of 
taken a lead in terms of rep- trying to represent the fans, right? When they famously took on Ticketmaster and stuff like that. And so the idea that, well, let's let's just make this all accessible to, to our fans too. And, and you don't have to be kind of sort of in the know with knowing the right people to get a hold of this stuff. We'll just, we'll put it out there and, and you can get it. Yeah. And I've, I'm guilty. You know, I've, I've purchased a couple of those records. I know that I purchased a couple of the Springsteen ones that are available, but I had to tell you the story. I, one time I went to, I don't know what show it was, but I saw a friend of mine I haven't seen in years and, and he was wearing this hat. I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm recording the show. So he had like a, a recorder in his pocket, and then he would trail a, a mic line up to the hat. And in the hat, he had a hole cut where the microphone was. <laughs> and the entire time, he would stand completely still. He would never go to the bathroom. He would never leave. He's like, I'm going to record the whole show. And I was like, wow, the art of bootlegging and recording a show. I never realized what it would take to do that. Yeah. That's amazing. The whole idea that, you know, uh, you know, because yeah, you had to, you had to be um, surreptitious about it, right? You couldn't get found or you'd get kicked out and potentially prosecuted. And so uh, the, the idea, like you said, I think you, you, you phrased it right. And it's an art, right? It was a whole a science and an art here's okay. How am I going to, you know, how can I figure this out and configure this thing so that I can do that? You know, it, it's like one of those sort of hidden skills, right, in the, that the music industry didn't mean to create, but did create. Yeah. And then if you go now, you're joking. I mean, every show you go to, there's somebody holding up an iPad oh, yeah. or something, and you can't even see the stage. And you're, you're wondering, are you watching the show, recording show? I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> they're they're there. But that's now part of the experience is you most artists are like, yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah. go ahead and record me. I, you know, it's just, it's just what you do. I know I've seen some people say, please put your phones away, but it's very rare. Most people are there <laughs> recording the entire thing. Yeah. I think with the, with the advent of, tel- of cell phone technology, it's, it's unavo- you know, unavoidable. You're not going to tell people you can't do phone calls. So at that point, how are you going to in any way survey, you know, put surveillance on who's using their phone to record the concert and who's using their phone to take a picture or to call somebody or, you know, any of the million of other things, you know, search the web. I'm looking up the lyrics to the song, you know, whatever, you know, you've got 20,000 people or even just, you know, 5,000 people and, you just can't do that kind of surveillance and you have to just at that point give up and say, oh, well, it's just part of the business. Yeah, it kind of turns into some free self-promotion too because somebody yep. probably records it, puts it up on the net, and so yep. it gets out there. So there's kind of the, the yin and yang of it. But yeah, Brian, I think you really enjoyed putting this together. I think if you're looking for some music to listen to, I think it captures his spirit and his band spirit. I enjoyed it. I thought it was was high energy. There's a new track on here. It's called Monk. And I was like, what's this song? And I listened to it and it uh, it made me smile. So I hopefully you get a chance to check it out. And we appreciate you once again listening to Tunes Mate. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our blog. We're going to keep bringing you continual facts, not only about the 80s, but the 90s. 25 years ago, 50 years ago. I'm telling you, Ray, I just can't stop soaking in all those facts that are posted out there.
Well, it's, you know, it's the experiences too, right? You know, getting to listen to a song you, you haven't heard in a while or that you never heard before or that you hear every day, but you really like, or that you can't stand, but you're going to give it another listen. And, you know, that's, that's the fun of it. That's right. Well, keep tuning in. We've got some more things planned under our sleeves because we're getting close to the end of the year. So once again, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we'll see you next time.